It is so good to see you in the house of the Lord. Um, I know everyone needs to go back to their assigned seats. <laughs> I was talking to someone the other day, and uh, I could point out at where everybody sits. And I, I enjoy that, because then I get to fellowship with you. I get to look and see where you're at. Thank you. I'm very humbled. Um, it's so funny, it's just I've been this way all my life, is that when I'm embarrassed of something, because I, when I do things, I don't do it to get. Um, and so when you are literally taking during the Christmas season a time and, and of giving, uh, it causes me to sweat. I always do that when, when I, I get embarrassed and stuff like that. But I also want to say to you... Um, that what Sister Mila um, prayed and prophesied over us is a word that I got before, uh, probably six months after I was born again. A lot of what she said is what was said to me and in the latter days. And what I remember also of the word that was given to me back in Michigan in the Ferndale Foursquare Church is uh, that in the latter days, the blessings of the Lord will explode and each person that is a part of your life will receive an abundance of that blessing. And so what I rejoice in and what I was rejoicing in, Sister Mila and Doctor, is um, what you have given us in the prophetic realm, um, that you have brought <clears throat> the spiritual aspect of the prophetic word, again, to the body of Christ. There are many here who are prophetic, but the reality is, is you have brought it into the place <clears throat> where it needed to be. No one has done anything wrong, but it's where it needed to be and bringing uh, great honor to God first and great honor to those uh, that are in leadership. And so I receive in Jesus' name blessings from you, um, but I want you to understand that, that um, God is going to pour out his spirit and his prosperity over all of us as we continue to move into the realm of this lifestyle. You are healed. Valley community is healed. Amen. You may not understand that fully, but Valley Community Church is healed. Valley Community Church is full of people who know the Word of God, who know their call, who are anointed and very gifted. And so I proclaim to you in Jesus' name that as we continue in this new series on Christmas is coming, how do I act? Because everyone's telling you how to act. Everyone's telling you how to be. From school to TV to commercials, you name it, there is a... There is a worldview that is being pressed into your heart. And I want you to understand is that we're, what we're going to do is we're going to cross into covenant thinking. As a church, we are going to be covenant people. How do we act? Most of us, unless we are of Jewish, Jewish descent, uh, do not have a lot of knowledge what covenant is. If you 
uh, take OSL, we teach on covenant. But let me explain something to you. The Bible is a covenant book. Our God is a covenant God. The Bible says God is a covenant-making and a covenant-keeping God. A covenant-making and a covenant-keeping God. The word covenant occurs in the Bible 286 times in the Old Testament and 33 times in the New Testament. Everything God has done with the human race has been done in covenant. So let me say it this way. The rest of your life, God will never interact with you in any positive way outside of covenant. We're going to learn that this is about a relationship. How do I act? We act in relationship. Covenant people act in relationship. It comes out of love. And in relationship, just understand that this coming Saturday, Tim Shortell Memorial will be at 11 o'clock a.m. in the sanctuary here. And as covenant people, we are to love Aunt Louise and her family uh, as we minister to them this Saturday. Covenant means a personal, solid relationship, in a nutshell. It is a serious relationship. It's about people binding people together. It's about a God who lost his people and came to this earth because of covenant, and set apart an avenue whereby we could have relationship again. You are God's daily delight. When you become born again, you came into a serious binding relationship between you and God. No matter how you feel about God today, God has set it up to have a serious relationship with you. Jesus made it available through his death, and it is called today the new covenant. We can say the new covenant made by blood. In the book of Hebrews, we're going to read out of Hebrews, and I want to pray now because I really sense uh, a new breaking, uh, another uh, absolute overwhelming. God is doing something uniquely in our lives today in healing. Some of you have come with great faith and said, I feel good. I, I feel like you look good. You, you know, you, all that. But I want to tell you, there, is, there are things in your soul. There are things that have happened in your life that have bound you from experiencing what I'm going to be talking about today. How do we act? How do we act in life? The reality is, is that God has cut a covenant with you and it is a miraculous thing. In Hebrews chapter 8, are you there? Let's pray. Father, thank you in Jesus' name that the word will pierce deeply into our hearts. In Jesus' name, amen. But now he has obtained a more excellent ministry inasmuch as he is also mediator of a better covenant, which was established on better promises. For if that first covenant had been faultless, 
then no place would have been sought for a second. Verse 8 talks about finding fault with them. Fault with what? The word them is plural. All the Old Testament covenants, there were many. God found fault with all of them. Not one of them satisfied God's standard for this relationship that I'm talking to you about. Watch this, verse 8. Because finding fault with them, he says, Behold, the days are coming, says the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah, not according to the covenant that I made with their fathers in the day when I took them by the hand to lead them out of the land of Egypt, because they did not continue in my covenant, and I disregarded them, says the Lord. See, the book of Hebrews was written to Israel who were living in old covenant lifestyle. What does that mean? All the laws, all the ritual sacrifices since the day of Moses, that's all they knew. The book of Hebrews was written to help a Jewish person make the transition from old covenant into new covenant. And today, I am teaching you to transition you from religion into relationship. I'm going to say it again. I'm I'm teaching today to transition you from religion into relationship. Hebrews is saying Jesus made a better covenant. So today, again, how do we act? We act in covenant. Every single blessing you will ever receive from God comes from covenant. When you understand covenant, you understand God. You understand your relationship with him. So to begin describing covenant, there are always three elements in in God's covenant. We need to know what they are because it's how God will relate to us. It's how we can relate to God. Here's a spiritual law. You must have all three elements, and if you take one out, you don't have a covenant. The first thing that is present in any biblical covenant, New Testament, is a promise or promises. Pastor Dan took some of my scriptures. He he looked at my notes, that's what he did. (laughs) Hebrews 8, 6 says this, But now he has obtained a more excellent ministry inasmuch as he is also mediator of a better covenant which was established on better promises. Now, was the old covenant, was it bad? Was it evil? No. It was God. But we're going to show you what that old covenant did and what the new covenant does. A covenant begins with a promise. Marriage is a covenant. You stand and make vows or promises to one another. Verse 6 says that Jesus made a better covenant with better promises. Jesus has made many promises to us. To come into relationship with you is based on my promises, he says. I give you, this means God relates to us based on his word. God will always relate to you based on his word. When you ask him a question, his word is what you will get back. 
When you wonder about what God will do, his word will tell you what he did. Covenant is based on his promise. He made a vow. He made an oath to himself, we're going to see, in essence, to the perfect one that this covenant is perfect. This relationship we have with God is perfect. The realization is, is because we don't understand covenant, then we don't know how God relates to us. And we struggle with our relationship with God. Another scripture speaks about the promises of God, verse 11, helping the transition into new covenant. And we desire that each one of you show the same diligence to the full assurance of hope until the end, that you do not become sluggish, but imitate those who through faith and patience inherit the promises. The writer says you need to get the promises and don't be sluggish about it. You need to know what God's word says. If you don't know an answer to a question, don't give an answer until you get a promise. Someone asks you about God. Well, you go to Valley Community. What, that, what is that church all about? What, what is, and if you don't know an answer to a question, don't answer it until you find a promise because that's the truth. It is the truth. True things happen in life, but the truth is the promises of God. Verse 13. For when God made a promise to Abraham. Now, what I am doing is I am just totally simplifying something as one of the deepest subjects of the Bible, covenant. So follow with me now. I'm taking you on a journey. When you leave today, you're going to understand this. Religion will have no more place in your life. I am not, (laughs) let me just say it this way. I attend Valley Community Church. That's not my relationship, the building. My relationship, salvation, is God. Amen? I love Valley Community Church. I'm going to retire from this place. Not yet. (laughs) For when God made a promise to Abraham, because he could swear by no one greater... He swore by himself. Wow. Saying, surely blessing I will bless you and multiplying I will multiply you. And so after he had patiently endured, he obtained the promise. For men indeed swear by the greater and an oath for confirmation is for them an end of all dispute. Thus God determining to show more abundantly to the heirs of promise, hello, the immutability of his counsel confirmed it by an oath that by two immutable things in which it is impossible for God to lie, we might have strong consolation who have fled for refuge to lay hold of the hope set before us. This hope we have as an anchor of the soul, both sure and steadfast, and which enters the presence behind the veil, where the forerunner has entered for us, even Jesus, having become high priest forever, according to the order of of Melchizedek. And to some of you, that was, you didn't understand the word that said, but I'm going to explain it to you. Let me interpret it for you. He is saying, you have to get this, the promises. He has made an oath to you. He swears or makes this oath to himself because there is no greater than himself. Nothing can break this covenant Nothing, no devil, 
No demon, no family member, no boss, nobody can break this covenant. God's promises are yea and amen. And even in the midst of your chaos in life, God will do great things. Why? Because of his relationship with you. God swore to himself, letting you know it will be done if you come in agreement and do your part. Now, there's a lot of shaky things in the world. Sometimes we wake up not knowing what's next in this world. But God, he is a certain God. He is a certain God. God certainly will do, act, talk his word. If he ever breaks one word of his promise, he has to curse himself. That's why he swore to himself. He said, if I break anything, I will have to curse myself. God won't do that. Because if you keep covenant, you're blessed. And if you break covenant, you're cursed. There's not one, let me say it this way, there's not one possibility he will (laughs) curse himself or break a promise. This truth is the anchor of your soul. When you look at the Word of God and it promises you something, you need to just set your anchor. And you need to understand, I don't care what happened. I don't care what someone did. I don't care what is going on. I don't care what people say. When God promises you something, it will happen. And that very prophetic word that Mila gave was a word that was given to me over 40 years ago. And you need to realize that what God is doing is something very unique in your life and in mine. God is doing something that is so unique that people are going to look at you and wonder what is different about you. Hmm. Hebrews 13.8 says, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, And forever. Jesus will never lie to me. He will never lead me on. And he will never break a promise. Every one of you have had people break promises to you. The Lord has never broken a promise. I know the devil told you that. I know people have said that. I know you've thought that. But God has never broken a promise to you. He makes covenant and he keeps it. Because the Bible is your promised land. Prosperity is not your promised land. Prosperity is a result of the word in you. Your destiny is in your Bible. Peter talks about a surety in God and never breaks his promises. 2 Peter chapter 1. Grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord, as his divine power has given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness, through the knowledge of him who called us by glory and virtue, by which have been given to us exceedingly great and precious promises, that through these you may be partakers. Pastor Dan, he didn't look at my notes. Or did you? No, it's good. <laughs> You may be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. Peter says the way God has, watch this, the way God has given us everything is through his promises. So be a partaker of the divine nature. 
So how do I act? I partake of the promises and become what the promises say. I partake of the promise, and then I become that. So you will never take a step in life that there is not a covenant promise for. Divine nature is, I'm simplifying it, is you experience God. Divine nature is you experience God. I don't want to know about God. I want to know God. The fourth song on our CD. I want to live the rest of my life in the presence, and I want to know God. Through his promises, you become a partaker of his divine nature. Enter into this promise land of God's word. Matthew 6, 33, 34, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added to you. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about its own things. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. See, we have a better covenant based on better promises, and we just need to reach into the word and live in this promised land. We just need to just do this. Now, Let's look at the second element of covenant, a blood sacrifice. The word covenant also means to cut. You don't make a covenant or sign a covenant. You cut a covenant. Matthew 26, 28 says, For this is my blood of the new covenant, which is shed for many for the remission of sin. Blood sacrifice is in the new covenant. Hebrews 10, 11, follow me. Follow this. And every priest stands ministering daily and offering repeatedly the same sacrifices, which can never take away sins. It's talking about the old covenant. Did you know all the millions of animals that were sacrificed? Not one sin was forgiven. Old covenant. In the Holy of Holies, a mercy seat is there, they brought the lamb's blood in once a year and poured it on the mercy seat. The mercy seat, the word means to cover. So what, what happened here, all the blood sacrifice did not take away sin. They just covered sin so God could relate to man on a very superficial level. In the Old Testament, God rarely had an intimate relationship with someone. When Jesus died, the veil in the temple ripped from the top down and the Spirit of God came out of the Holy of Holies. He now lives in us, in our spirit. And that's why verse 12 says, but this man, after he had offered one sacrifice for sins forever, sat down at the right hand of God, from that time waiting till the enemies are made his footstool. For by one offering he has perfected forever those who are being sanctified. When Jesus died and shed his blood, he, Jesus, totally erased sin, which produced an ability for total intimacy with God. Every one of you, total intimacy with God. Kick religion out of your life. Kick man's ideas out of your life. And begin to join in this intimacy. And from that covenant, every other area of your life 
You can have intimacy because of covenant thinking from your marriage to every aspect of your life because there's so much fear and doubt in life. But when covenant is there and you have understanding of the blood sacrifice of Jesus and all sin was forgiven, then you can walk in a relationship that is intimate and you can have peace in the midst of the chaos of this world. The new covenant has better blood that establishes the new. The Bible says as far as the east is from the west, God has removed our sins. When we confess them, now nothing can stop the image intimacy with God. That's the new uh, versus the old. That's the new versus the old. The new is so God, God forgets your sin. The only one that remembers is you, your friends, and the devil. 1 John 1.9 says to the Christian, If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Blood sacrifice. Here's the third element. You have to have the sign. You have to have the sign. There is always a sign when there is a covenant. Let me give you an example. God made a covenant with Noah, the rainbow. God made a covenant with Abraham, circumcision. God made uh, a covenant Covenant with Moses, a sign with Moses, was a Sabbath day. I am married to Terry. My ring is a sign of a covenant. The sign of the covenant does two things. First, I'm running out of time, but I'm going to finish this today. The sign of the covenant does two things. When the sign is established, it seals the deal. Second, it also proclaims it and it continues. It is a continuous thing. It is something that just doesn't stop. You know, I've got a contract with you for four years. No, it's for eternity. When God sees a covenant sign, he becomes very passionate and very romantic. When he doesn't see the sign, it doesn't remind him of the covenant, and blessings do not flow. Covenant signs are very important to God, and so these are three signs in the new covenant that we do all the time. So watch this. In the new covenant, here it is. You receive the promises. You have to believe in the blood of the covenant, blood of Jesus, sacrifice at the cross, and you have to walk bearing the signs of the covenant. What are the signs? Here they are. Number one, the Holy Spirit. Baptism of the Holy Spirit was a sign God entered into a new covenant called the church, the day of Pentecost. I hear people that, that, that say, well, you know, you can know God and you can serve God and you can love God and not attend church. Yeah, but you're not in covenant. You're not in covenant. Well, I can watch my church on TV. You're not in covenant. Ephesians 1, verse 11 through 14. In him also we have obtained an inheritance, being predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will, that we who first trusted in Christ should be to the praise of his glory. In him you also, 
In him you also trusted. After you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also, having believed, you were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise, who is a guarantee of our inheritance until the redemption of the purchased possession to the praise of his glory. God sealed the covenant with the Holy Spirit. When God sees us respecting the Holy Spirit, inviting him into our lives, it is a sign to God we are walking in covenant. That's why we pray in tongues. That's why we teach you on the Holy Spirit. Because when we respect the Holy Spirit, we're walking in covenant. God becomes very intimate and pours out power, revelation, and truth by the Holy Spirit. So let me show you a familiar scripture of God's passion of the Holy Spirit as a sign. This is how important the Holy Spirit. That's why it really bugs me when people outside our church try to come against the things of the Holy Spirit. Watch what it says. Luke 12, 10. And anyone who speaks a word against the Son of Man, it will be forgiven him. But to him who blasphemes against the Holy Spirit, it will not be forgiven. That's how important the Holy Spirit is. Let me give you the second sign. Water baptism. Mark 16, 16. He who believes and is baptized will be saved, but he who does not believe will be condemned. Let me give you a deeper revelation out of Colossians. For in him dwells all the fullness of the Godhead bodily, and you are complete in him who is the head of all principality and power. In him you were also circumcised with a circumcision made without hands by putting off the body of sins of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ, buried with him in baptism, in which you also were raised with him through faith in the working of God who raised him from the dead. Colossians 2 says this. Listen very closely. In Old Testament, they had to be circumcised. Water baptism is circumcision not made by hands, but of Christ. It's done in your heart. When you go down in baptismal waters, it is a sign of you being buried with Christ. Jesus Christ comes, cover, comes and takes away a part of you that was unclean. And greater ability of hearing God and victory over sin is there. Physical circumcision if you study that, is cleanliness and sensitivity. So can people get saved even if never water baptized? Absolutely. Because it's the confession of your mouth and the belief in your heart. The thief on the cross, he didn't get water baptized. But Jesus said, today you will be with me in paradise. Water baptized, if you're water baptized, you have circumcised your heart. You have made a confession. You've made a, a statement that you are living for God. Let's close with this, the third sign, communion. 1 Corinthians 11 says, For I received from the Lord that which I also delivered to you. But the Lord Jesus, on the same night in which he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, Take, eat, this is my body which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same manner, he also took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is a new covenant in my blood. This do as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death till he comes. Therefore, 
whoever eats this bread or drinks this cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of the body and the blood of the Lord. But let a man examine himself, and so let him eat of the bread and drink of the cup. For he who eats and drinks in an unworthy manner eats and drinks judgment to himself, not discerning the Lord's body. For this reason, many are weak and sick among you, and many sleep. Or, basically, Scripture says, in the book of Hebrews, many die early. See, relationship is very important to the Lord. 1 Corinthians 10 calls communion the cup of blessing. Every single time you receive, take communion, you are reminding God you are in covenant with him. And he gets all stirred up. I want, to, I, just, I want you to picture with me that when we get up here and we're all watching all our, our folks that are just awesome and they're serving communion and we're watching them and, and everything's done right and we reach down and we bite into the, to the wafer that sometimes isn't, okay? Not their fault who put it there. It's just how it is, all right? Thank God that we partake of the juice second, right? No, just kidding. <laughs> but when you, when you are receiving communion, it releases covenant blessings. It releases healing and it releases deliverance. When I partake of communion, I just zero in on intimacy with God. And I am so thankful for what he's done for me. But it says you bring judgment to yourself if you don't see it as what it is. So you know what, you know what literally that scripture is saying? Let me just say it in a nutshell. It's saying that I'm responsible for my behavior. No one else. I can't blame anybody else in this covenant with God. I'm responsible for my behavior. Whoever does whatever they do, I'm responsible for me. And we have to get to that place that religion says it's someone else's fault. Religion says it's because this happened in my life. And then God has to do something and fix something. God has already given everything that pertains unto life and godliness. And the only thing that I have to do is I have to make sure my behavior is in line. Paul said, some people are dead because they're not serious. They're weak and they're sick. So what have I talked, what have I talked about today? The promises we must believe. The blood we must receive. The sign, all three, we must respect. So if we come into covenant rightly, There are huge blessings in our future and for our future. You are it for him. From the very beginning of sin, from the very beginning, God knew and he planned to get back his daily delight. And that's you. So when you come to church, come early, stay late. Come early. You should do that at work too. Amen. 
not come late, leave early. But the reality is, is you have to get to the place in your life of realizing, I have to correct my behavior. There's no reason why I don't walk in this intimacy with God, except I choose not to. So Christmas is coming. How do I act? Change from worldview religion into covenant thinking. And love God with all your heart, soul, and your mind. Let him just pour everything into you. Let's all stand.